former president's supporters are trying to rewrite history. They want you to see election day as the day of insurrection. And the riot that took place here on January 6th as a true expression of the will of the people. Can you think of a more twisted way to look at this country, to look at America? I cannot. He's not just a former president. He's a defeated former president. Defeated by a margin of over 7 million of your votes. There is simply zero proof the election results are inaccurate. Former president who lies about this election and the mob that attacked this Capitol could not be further away from the core American values. Fellow Americans, good morning. Certain dates echo throughout history, including dates that instantly remind all who have lived through them, where they were and what they were doing when our democracy came under assault. Dates that occupy not only a place on our calendars, but a place in our collective memory. December 7th, 1941, September 11th, 2001, and January 6th, 2021. All right, here we are, episode 50. Um, we made it. We made it, guys. Episode 50 of the Friday Detox. Today is Friday, so we will be doing politics today before we head into the weekend. Um, but before I get into that, a couple of um, housekeeping things. Number one, thank you. Thank you for listening. Um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for leaving reviews. All of the above. Thank you. I really want to blow this thing up in 2022. Not that I didn't want to do it before, but uh, if you've listened to any of the um, previous, more recent episodes, you know that I quit my job. I'm doing this plus my my at-home business full-time now, and uh, my wife's making all the money. <laughs> uh, no, my wife and I had a, um, well, we had an amazing conversation before we agreed that I should quit my job, and uh, she is my rock right now. <laughs> And I, I couldn't do this without her. But um, today, we're going to talk about uh, this, To well, yesterday being the one-year anniversary of January 6th, the Great Insurrection of 2020, uh, which, of course, stemmed, at least if you uh, take the media's portrayal of it, uh, this huge insurrection that stemmed from a Stop the Steal rally that where Trump then President Trump, leaving President Trump, uh, encouraged his supporters to storm the Capitol. Uh, we're going to get into that. We're going to get into some of the new evidence that has come out about that day. And more than that, how um, well how, how the, the left, how the Democrats right now in power are using January 6th still as a political weapon. Um, but before I go into that, I do... You know, I don't like jumping onto the podcast and just getting straight into negativity. And that's what politics is for me. You know, politics, and maybe one of these days I'll have an epiphany and I'll find a way to be happy about politics, but it's it's interesting and it's important and it's relevant and I enjoy it. But when I've got to really break it down and and explain what it is I believe is wrong or correct or what we should do or shouldn't do, what we are doing, what we're not doing politically, it gets depressing, you know, it brings me down a little bit. And that is not what I'm here. I am not doing this podcast to um to send us all into some, you know, some little depression. That's not what I'm going for. Uh what I'm going for is some calm some sanity and some intellectual honesty. And I hope that that is what you take from this. I hope I never uh, send you on a darker path. I hope you leave the the podcast when you're done listening to an episode. I hope you feel encouraged. And that's my goal. So um, 
we'll go into it with that in mind. But before I do that, there's a few things I want to touch on. Number one, if you listen to that opening audio, why is it that in, in 2022, we're in 2022 now, guys, we're a week in, and our politicians don't have microphones that produce any sort of quality audio. Maybe there's a reason for that. Maybe there's there's audio experts out there. Believe it or not, I am not one of them. Um, I just I just host a podcast. Why would I know how to how to <laughs> how to do audio? Um, but why is it that politicians never seem to be able to get in front of a microphone that doesn't pick up every single mouth noise and doesn't whistle every single s? I mean, if you listen to Kamala Harris, Kamala Harris, I always get that wrong and I apologize. What's hilarious, side note, um, side note number one of about a hundred for this episode, but side note, uh, I had to correct myself when saying Kamala Harris a year ago when I did the original, uh, January 6th episode, uh, that was episode 13. If you want to listen back, I did, I listened back to that episode. Most of it anyways, first thing I came out of that, that uh, experience was I don't like hearing myself, um, which makes editing audio incredibly fun. But also, uh, I was really pissed off. I was extremely angry that day and I apologize. But, uh, but yeah, I had to correct myself. Even back then, um, I said, Kamala, uh, Kamala, oh, sorry, Kamala. Um, so yeah, I haven't learned anything in a year. So there's the encouraging note there. But anyways, if you listen to her talk, every single sentence, it sounds like that. Every sentence starts with a mouth noise. <laughs> it's so annoying. It bothers me so much. Maybe I'm the only one. I don't know. But that always gets me. If I'm listening to a podcast or a sermon or my own podcast and I hear mouth noises, I'm like, dude, get your mouth away from the microphone. Uh, anyways, that's just a little uh, peeve, pet peeve of mine. Some fun stuff, though, that uh, I've been in, in, not encouraged. That's a little bit too much weight on this. But I, my wife and I finally found a good show on Netflix. You know, we watch movies. We watch Roseanne. We watch American Dad. We watch South Park. We watch a lot of really stupid shows over and over and over again. And every now and then, we'll be sitting there and we'll put on something and we'll both look at each other like, dude, we got to find something good to watch. And usually it means we jump over to, um, you know, Shudder, which is like Netflix for scary movies. We love horror movies. I don't know why. Maybe there's something wrong with us, I guess. I don't know. But we would just love them. And, um, you know, we watched the whole uh, Halloween uh, franchise, really. We watched everything from the original Jamie Lee Curtis through the Rob Zombie ones. Don't waste your time. I hated those. Uh, to the new ones with Jamie Lee Curtis again, by by far the the two most recent Halloween movies with Jamie Lee Curtis are the best. Uh, as far as going into backstory, going into the relationship between this good and evil fight, uh, it's just it's great. The originals, eh, they were probably really good back then, but obviously nowadays with special effects and all that, it's a little bit easier to get into the new ones. But anyways. We were looking for a movie or better yet, a, a new show to get into. And we found one that we've been wanting to watch for a while, but we didn't really want to invest the time because you watch one episode and you're like, eh, it's decent. But then you get eight episodes in and you realize they're really going to screw this up, aren't they? And, and that's what usually, that's what usually happens. Um, but we found a midnight mass on Netflix. Again, if you don't like scary movies, if you don't like being a little bit disturbed, don't watch it. It's not for you. If you like scary movies, if you like that element of, okay, wait, what, what, what is happening? Um, Midnight Mass was great. Uh, it's going to take a twist about halfway through where you're like, oh, that's where they're going with this. And everything was just, it was just a great show. Great story, well acted, well produced, everything. Great. So, uh, congrats whoever was involved with making Midnight Mass. Um, it's, it's actually got a lot of the same cast from an, a couple other shows on Netflix. It's kind of a thing I've been seeing on these uh, platform, subscription platforms where it kind of looks like they're using the same cast for several different little mini-series. And I'm, I'm assuming COVID's got something to do with that. Oh my God. Alarms. I have like 50 alarms that go off every day and it, 
it annoys the crap out of me, but I, I'll forget to eat if I don't have those alarms going. Anyways, um, yeah, so it's got the same cast as uh, Haunting of Hill House, and there was another one that was, I think, more of a ghost series, and um, same characters, or some of them anyways, and uh, really good, loved it. Anyways, so besides that, before we get into politics, um, I want to talk a little bit about my business. No, I'm not, I'm not going to go full douche on you. Um, no, but something that if you've been following the podcast, one of the things that, that I've gotten into is my business and me quitting my job, working for myself full time, working from home. We want to have kids so I can be a stay at home dad now, things like that. Um, and so part of this whole mission of mine of having my own business is finding other people who want to do the same, but they're not quite sure how or maybe they're a little bit scared about the process or, you know, what if I get a month in and I haven't made any money or whatever. And it's like, you know, there's, there's realistic expectations and non-realistic. So I, I like to kind of give a little bit of an update every now and then just so you know, you know, there's, there's somebody else going through this. So got my business going, things are going pretty good. It's, I'm making a little bit more money than I was expecting. Uh, not as much money as we really need. So we're still in that, that, that stage of limbo of, you know, is this going to work out? I believe it will. I don't believe God brought me here to fail. Um, but part of, part of, um, building something out of nothing, um, getting a business going, taking a product that's, you believe in your product. Number one, of course, you know, if you don't believe the product you're selling, then you're setting yourself up for failure right there. The business might succeed, but you'll be unhappy. Um, but okay, you've already crossed that threshold that you believe in your product, you know it's good, you know there's a market for it, you know there's a customer for it. And now it's just building that consistency. You know, I just got to take it from uh, from idea from to actually doing it. And once you, you reach that, that threshold, um, and I've seen this time and time again, you, you kind of reach a point of, it's really more about consistency than effort. And uh, that's the little quick message I'll, I'll give to you before we get into politics is consistency over effort. You can be working and working every single day, doing this, doing that. And then, you know, Monday you do this, this, and this. Tuesday you do that, that, and that. And that lack of consistency makes it really hard for you to evaluate, you know, what what, what effect is my effort having on my ability to you know, generate leads, find a customer, find a product to match that specific customer. Um, and so much like um, having success in the gym, it's not necessarily about going there and just having this killer workout and only doing that once every other week. You know, that, that does nothing for you except kind of piss you off that one day. And then you're sore for a week. And right when you're not sore anymore, it's time for one more day in the gym. That's not success. Um, that's just effort. And that's finally getting so desperate of, you know, nothing I do is working. And so I'm going to go to the gym today. And, and today's the first day. You know, every, every journey starts with a single step, blah, blah, blah. But there's no consistency. And so you can't evaluate any sort of you know, what, what effect are my efforts having? And so one of the things that I've been doing this this past month, really, but more so this week specifically, because it was a rough week for me. Um, I, I have those weeks, those days where, and I think we all do, where uh, motivation and that 100% effort doesn't come easily. Excuse me. And, uh, and so on those weeks, those days, I, I start doing this thing and it's, it's really been helping me. And it's, it's part of my new, just my focus tool is this big three strategy where, you know, we all have, if you, if you're a business owner or you've got a, a, a side project, it doesn't necessarily have to be a business. It could just be a hobby or whatever, but you have specific goals. We all have those to-do lists 
and we probably got 14 versions. We've got one on our phone, one on the iPad, one written on a sticky note, one on a notepad that we, we bought this super nice notepad with a really nice pen because that's going to be, that's where we're going to run our businesses from that notepad. And I think we've all done that. And so you've got these to-do lists everywhere and you're not really working off of them. It was really more just a brain dump so you can go to sleep, which is good, but it is important to have a a focused to-do list. And so every day, you know, I've got my big to-do list on my desk at the office, but then I also have my big three. And that's every day I write, what are the three things that today I need to accomplish? And crap, we're 15 minutes in already. I need to speed this up, but um, maybe I need to do like a business episode once a week or something. I don't know. But I do, what are the big three things that I want to accomplish today? No matter what else I do, these three things I have to do today. And it really does a lot for pushing me towards that consistency because I got those three big things done and it's like, okay, what am I going to get done tomorrow? And it's only like two or three o'clock. And other than that, having a morning, you know, there's certain things I do. I got to check prices on certain types of what's the market doing that's going to affect what I'm selling. And so I have to look at those prices compared to yesterday, report back on that. And it has to be done every single morning, which is what those alarms are for. Um, and I already did them. I'm not shirking that responsibility to do the, the podcast. Don't worry. But anyways, that's what I'll leave you with. Big three strategy. That's what I'm doing. And it's working for me. It's helping me be consistent and not feel like I'm just I don't know, treading water. Sometimes it feels like you're just treading water and you're just, you're working and working and working, but you're getting nowhere. It's good to just calm yourself. (laughs) And if you know me, uh, whether through the podcast or personally, you know, it's really easy for me to get excited and it starts speaking real fast. And, and, and then I lose my train of thought and, you know, so sometimes it's good to just like pump the brakes, write down the things that you need to get done and then figure out what do I need to do daily? And I'm going to knock that out real quick. And then what is it that I need to do today that's going to set me up for success tomorrow? And I think that's a really good way of uh, establishing that consistency. It's worked for me. It's working for me. And um, yeah, I hope it helps you out as well. Um, Some quick political points to hit before we get into January 6th stuff. Uh, Today, the Supreme Court is reviewing Biden's um, vaccine mandate the jab mandate for, uh, I think he's trying to push it on private employers. And, um, I've heard mixed stuff. I've heard, and of course it's because there's sound bites of everybody in the administration saying multiple different things. And it's by design, you know, they can say, no, look here, I said this, but then we could say, yeah, but look over here. You said that just last week and and everything from COVID to economic policy. It's just, they speak out of both sides of their mouths on purpose, but from what I've heard is it sounds like Biden is trying to take this from just not just private large businesses, but all private businesses, even small businesses under 100 employees, which is huge because that's that's the economy. And that's 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 big. Um, and that's where a lot of these people who are a little bit more hesitant to receive the jab because, you know, they're free thinkers like it or not. They're free thinkers. And they, they ask why we ask why. And, um, so the, the mandate is trying to push it now down towards them that they need to receive vaccines. Um, I've heard that they're trying to nix the, the test in order to not take the jab. You got to test a certain amount of times per week and then quarantine. If you got a positive, uh, test result, I don't know. All I know is if we got through we, we survived four years of Trump and we got what three conservative air quotes, conservative Supreme court nominations and they don't shoot down a federal mandate to vaccinate everybody. Um, which if they get past this hurdle of private employers, um, for adults, it's, it's just a matter of time before, well, now the CDC recommends ages seven to 12 or five to 12 need to receive the vaccine as well. It's, it's just, it's never going to stop. Um, so anyways, that's a big story. Watch to see what Supreme court does there. Um, cause that's got huge implications for the entire country, of course. And then last, uh, we got another jobs report came out this week th- today 
and uh, less than 200,000 jobs reported, uh, where f- over 400,000 were expected. This is like three or two or three consecutive reports that have been underperforming. And this is going to lead us into June, January 6th, so we'll just get into it. Um, welcome, episode 50, the Friday Detox. I appreciate it. Like and follow us on uh, Instagram, be the best place, at Friday underscore Detox, or also on Facebook, the Friday Detox Podcast. And uh, share our posts, type some comments to us, let us know what you're thinking about the episodes, send us a DM, let us know if there's something you want us to talk about, or uh, if you just prefer I shut up and get somebody else to talk into the microphone, um, let me know. But, so this jobs report, it's so funny, and, and, and I, I don't want to just attack Democrats here, both, both parties do this, um, but when there's a Democrat in office, every jobs report is important. And there's no excuse for a failing job report. Republican is in office. The Republicans say, well, yeah, but this happened, this happened. That's why the jobs are low. And in both sides do it. If there's a Republican in office, Democrats are, are the first to jump in and say, oh, you, we got less jobs created. The economy is failing, mass inflation. And it's just the same stuff back and forth. It's a tennis match and nobody gets anywhere. That's politics. That's D.C. That's why it was meant to be largely ineffective and not really have much responsibility other than defending borders, levying taxes in order to afford to defend the borders. And then uh, the government grew from there, and now it's this massive thing that none of us can do without, apparently, and it requires a ton of money, and you can't really hold anybody accountable when it is that large, because there's always an excuse, right? It's like if you're if you're so busy, you know, I know these people, a lot of them are business owners, they're so busy and you you say, hey, I need this done. They say, okay, yeah, I'll get that to you on Wednesday. But they're so busy that it doesn't happen. It just, and then you got to follow up saying, hey, where's this whatever? And it, oh, I, I got busy with this. I'm sorry. And there's always an excuse. There's always a reason. There's always a priority that comes first. And that's what happens when you've got this massive government with however many thousands of employees, millions, billions of dollars worth of salaries. How do you follow up on any of that? So anyways, now the administration is is turning, um, well, not really turning, they've been on this, I don't know, path for a while now, um, but whenever there's a, a negative jobs report, it's COVID. We're, we are still going through the pandemic. There is a pandemic going on. Jen Psaki loves to, to just talk down to the, to the reporters, say, you know, there is a pandemic going on, but at some point... We got to move on. And I've made my, my position on that very clear on this podcast. But January 6th is their entire focus this week. Um, the mainstream media, but of course also as we heard of that opening audio, the president, vice president. Um, January 6th is a distra- distraction this week. It is a very convenient distraction because they got a bad jobs report. And so now they get to talk about white supremacy. They get to talk about systemic racism. They get to talk about this failed president who sicked his supporters on the Capitol building to destroy democracy. And it's this huge thing. But it's as if summer 2020 never happened. It's as if federal buildings didn't get burned to the ground. It's as if sky views of Washington, D.C. weren't orange from the flames that were in the streets. COVID didn't cause that. COVID didn't cause a negative jobs report. January 6th didn't cause a negative jobs report. Failed policies led to a a failed jobs report. Lockdowns, mask mandates, vaccine mandates in order to go into a restaurant. There's people still on the government payroll And they're being paid to stay at home and not work because COVID is such a threat. This Omicron variant is spreading so quickly. We've talked about that. I don't need to get back into how Omicron, well, I guess I will. (laughs) Omicron is doing exactly what viruses do. It's spreading very quickly, but it is the least lethal variant of of the virus so far. And that's what happens. If, If you look at it biologically, a virus doesn't set out to kill. A virus sets out to live, just like every living organism down to single-cell bacteria. 
it wants to survive. That's part of the definition of being, of calling something a living thing is it has a desire, it has a motivation to live, to procreate, and to further its existence. So a virus doesn't set out to kill the host. The virus sets out to learn about the host, evolve, and now we're left with the weakest version of the virus where we can live with it. The virus can survive, it can infect people, we get sick, life goes on. But it's being treated as if it's the most dangerous virus that's ever encountered the world. And then we're going back into lockdowns, we're going back into mask mandates. My wife, who teaches at, um, well, I won't out her just <laughs> willy-nilly, but she, she works at a school district that is basically prepping the teachers to go back into quarantine because so many teachers, and this has been inspired by uh, teachers' unions, so many teachers have called in now coming back from the holidays saying, well, now, no, there's this new vi vi uh, virus variant. We do not need to be teaching in person. And so now this, the substitutes are getting crazy amounts per day to sub because they don't have enough teachers. So now we might have to go back into lockdown, not because of the virus. They're blaming it on the virus. But they might have to go back into lockdown, back into quarantine, um, teaching from home over a computer again. Because so many teachers are calling in for out of political motivations. And it's so sad because we have seen, and not that Donald Trump was some um, Nostradamus in saying this or anything, but when he, when he said on, on the stage, we can't let the cure to the virus be worse than the virus itself. That's exactly where we are at. That's what we've been seeing for over a year now. The, uh, overdose rates skyrocketed. Suicide rates, particularly among children, teenage children, and even lower than that, kids you know, lower than middle school killing themselves. There's no purpose to life when you're just locked in your bedroom day in and day out staring at a computer. It, it's, it's akin to psychological warfare. And it's disgusting. And the fact that people are okay with this, they just accept this because it's politically expedient or because some buffoon on a cable news show says, you, you got to be outraged. You, you, you have to be upset. You have to demand that the schools close. You have to wear your mask or you're a piece of crap. Your kid has to get vaccinated or you're a piece of crap. It's insane. It's, it's, it's frustrating, but beyond that, it's sad because people are, people's lives are being destroyed over nothing, over political points. And so now I'm going back. <laughs> I'm going back into my mentality of where I was a year ago. Um, listening back to that episode, um, a lot of anger, a lot of rage in my voice, particularly in that, in that first section. And, um, I didn't like it. I didn't like how I felt after January 6th. I didn't have a whole lot of info. All I had was a, um, a notification on my phone in the middle of the day saying that there were uh, people storming the Capitol and I watched it happen live and it was, it was scary. Sorry. I'm not sure if you could hear that. Um, <laughs> the, it's like 30 degrees outside and the people who cut the grass at my apartment complex are out there cutting the grass at my apartment complex and uh, they got a leaf blower right now and they were blowing the breeze away. It's freaking loud. Um, but anyways, so I, I was watching it happen live and it, it was it was scary. It was depressing. It sent me into a little bit of a depression because it's just not like you see that every day. You know, it, it, it you don't you don't see people attacking. Yeah. <laughs> What am I saying? People on the right, especially today and yesterday, have been, well, January 6th, it was no big deal. It was just a small amount of people. There were thousands of protesters that were there just to protest. And then there was a couple of hundred that stormed the Capitol. And uh, Ashley Babbitt was shot through the neck and killed. Um, so when you when you phrase it that way, sure, it, it, it doesn't sound like this huge deal because it was just a small amount of people behaving irresponsibly, I believe. But... It is, it is still important to note that 
we're all talking about it for a reason. You know, I, I didn't listen to news reports that made me feel depressed about January 6th on that day. I was upset and depressed about it because I saw it happen. And it was, it was a scary thing to witness, to witness people behaving that way on the steps of, I mean, probably the most concentrated area of power in the world. And as far as influence, as far as uh, economic, social, military influence in the world, and to see that that happen, it was just something he'd never seen before. Um, now, I, I would never be ballsy enough as Kamala was to try and compare it to a day when thousands of people died, like December 7th, uh, Pearl Harbor, or 9-11 um, in New York at the Twin Towers. There's just no way. There's no comparison. But... They're not appealing to a voter base that was there at Pearl Harbor. They're not appealing to a voter base that was there on 9-11. And that's something that we, we saw in 2020. It was the first year that people were now old enough to vote in a presidential election who were not even alive on 9-11. That's a, not scary. It's just it is what it is. But it's a very sobering thing to think that this this huge event that affected all of our lives in the same exact moment um there are people voting who weren't alive for it so they've heard stories they've watched videos but they don't really understand the gravity of what happened that day and so it's easy to pull the hood over those eyes and say well january 6th is the exact same thing because there's no uh there's no history there there's no there's no comparison in their brains because they weren't alive or they weren't old enough to actually have an opinion on that day, a feeling on that day of, you know, for me, I was in fifth, fourth grade, and my teacher pulled the, the TV out into the classroom, and we all sat in front of the TV and watched that second plane go into the tower. And then they sent us home, and they were like, oh, no, this is actually really bad. And they sent us home, and then I got home, and I saw my, my mom standing in front of the window just staring up at the sky like, like something terrible was happening. And so if you weren't alive to experience those things, you, you don't know what 9-11 was like. And so, yeah, it is it is easy to convince that voter that January 6th, this insurrection sparked by Donald Trump to try and overthrow the, the, overthrow the seat of power of democracy and everything that is good and right in the world. Like it, It's so easy to make that case when nobody was alive for something that was obviously drastically worse. Um. So that's what we're seeing. We're seeing political points being scored uh, off the backs of a, air quotes, mostly peaceful protest that resulted in the storming of our capital by a small um, small band of irresponsible people who, well, I'm not going to try to get into their heads and decide what they were thinking on that day. But now a year later, um, I, I'm, I'm looking back, what did we think was going to happen after that day a year ago, and where are we at now? What has happened? What are we doing? Um, I really believe that Trump losing the election and with all the the anger and the, the distrust and the uncertainty and the angst from that election process, um, and, and whether you, you believe in it or not, um, the questions about the legitimacy of that election, um, you don't have to believe the election was stolen to now be forced to understand that some people do. Enough people do. Enough people don't believe it was stolen, but there are enough people in this country, according to some polls, a majority of the people in this country who think something fishy happened. And and well, I don't want to go down that road too much because that's a whole other issue, but out of that, I believed a third party was going to be born. Um, a new third party. I firmly believe that Donald Trump was going to start a third party. I really did because the Republican party didn't back him up. Um, but what I didn't foresee was Donald Trump realizing his own power and deciding, no, you know what? The Republican party is mine for better or worse. Donald Trump owns the Republican party right now. 
And so, no, there is no third party. I was definitely wrong on that one. But what there is, is there is a... There's somewhat of a cancer within the Republican Party, and that is the cancer of the old guard, the people who are in it for the power, the people who are in it just because they feel like being in D.C., and they've been in D.C. for their entire political careers, stretching decades, and they don't want to rattle the cage. Like, can we just go back to, you know, they'll try to pass a spending bill. We'll fight back on it a little bit. We'll meet in the middle. And everybody just kind of goes, goes on with their day. Those are the good old days of American politics. That's not where we're at anymore. We are at the point where everybody's picking a side. And the people who aren't picking a side, I don't think it's their careers are going to end very well. They, You know, it's like quit while you're ahead because you're about to get just, not just voted out of office, but kicked out of office. Through the election process, of course. Um, but in reference to January 6th, Americans seem to be moving on. Um, there was a poll, um, there is a big issue, I think it was NBC that used a poll to make their case that January 6th was basically the worst day in, in world history. But from the same poll, they ignored the fact that it was like 66, 68% of the Americans polled believe that January 6th was nothing more than a protest that got out of hand. Which to me, it, it just it makes logical sense. Um, it makes logical sense that when you've got, you know, if you look at certain pictures from CNN or MSNBC or whatever, it looks like, you know, a decent sized crowd in front of the Capitol. They don't want to show the rest of Pennsylvania Avenue. They don't want to show the National Mall where there are thousands and thousands of people. Thousands. If they wanted to seize the Capitol that day, they would have. They could have, easily. There would have been no no way this small band of Capitol Police could have fought them back. They couldn't fight back a couple hundred. Um, my brain is going so many different directions right now, but I, I can't lose, lose focus. Um, Americans seem to be moving on. And I think that part of... Part of calling the bluff and um, calling Democrats out on their their lack of logic when it comes to January 6th is comparing January 6th to summer 2020. We were told even uh, Cory Booker was saying this, Don Lemon was saying this, Maxine Waters was saying this, that the, the, the cause, the reason why there were these huge protests over the summer of 2020 was because of systemic racism and injustice, and therefore, mass looting, burning down of buildings, burning down federal buildings, burning down a police precinct, um, sectioning off a, a part of, um, what was it Portland, I think, where they had the autonomous zone, CHOP, and that that was justified because of what they were fighting against and what they were fighting for. And we've seen progressives particularly left-leaning progressives, the means justify the ends. The ends justify the means. Sorry. Um, speaking of not being able to talk, I need some coffee. Black Rifle Coffee makes you a better podcast host. Not really. Side note number 13. Coffee is not good for speaking into a microphone because then you sound like Kamala Harris and you're constantly making mouth noises, so I have to have... Uh, sparkling water with me too. But I think most Americans see this weight put on Jan on one day when only one pro protester was killed. And then they make the logical connection, which apparently Democrats don't think Americans are smart enough to do, but they make that logical connection to what happened in summer of 2020 and see that, oh, Democrats are just fine with that. I mean, the, the the video and the audio of reporters trying to make it seem like peaceful protests and you hear gunshots and um, flashbangs and explosions in the background and you see orange flames in the sky. It's like, doesn't look very peaceful. 
And there's that, that infamous CNN reporter who's saying that the, the protests are mostly peaceful and there's a car on fire behind them. Um, that, that will live in infamy. But I think Americans are smart enough. I know we are to see that and call BS on this fear porn that the Democrat Party is pumping out into mainstream news. The, the reality is, in almost every single metric, whether you look at the economy, you look at the border, you look at how we're treating our allies overseas, Afghanistan, uh, you look at just messaging, you look at COVID uh, infection rates, COVID death rates, Democrat states and this Democrat administration in general is failing on almost every single metric. Lockdown states are seeing soaring infection infection rates, even among the vaccinated, and free states like the southern states, Florida mainly, and now Texas is kind of tagging along. Speaking of, Governor Abbott, get your crap together, dude. Texas needs to be leading the freedom movement, not, not following behind Florida. Come on. Anyways, this administration is failing. And so they're doing what power-hungry people do. They're falling back on a subject that many Americans have just moved on from, but it invokes a certain emotion, usually anger, fear. But the fact of the matter is January 6, 2020 was a very, very large protest, and some people got carried away. Some people got sucked into the emotion of that day. Right or wrong, wrong, in my opinion. They got sucked in, and I stand by what I said last year that I hope those people pay the full penalty for what they've done. I believe they have done something much worse. I think there's one person that's been charged with a felony, felony trespassing and uh, destruction of public property or something like that. Um, everybody else, misdemeanors. So I stand by what I said. I hope they receive the full penalty for that, uh, which is nowhere near the penalty they're receiving. There are people that are still being held in confinement, many in solitary confinement. The, the notorious, um, what was he, the, the uh, I can't remember, the shaman or whatever. Um, dude with the horns, everybody's seen that picture. That's going to be in history books. Um, he, was in, he was in solitary confinement for months on end. Couldn't see anybody except his lawyers who gave him terrible, terrible legal advice. Um, but that's that's another episode. One of these days, I'll, I'll get into that crap. Um, but this was a large protest. People got carried away. And, and, and there were grandmas there. There were old, old people there in the Capitol. There were veterans. Ashley Babbitt shot through the neck by Capitol Police was a veteran. Um, doesn't mean that she should have been there. Shouldn't have been breaking glass windows, trying to break doors down to get into the Capitol. Not excusing just because she was a veteran. But it's something to note. Uh, I've even seen a meme of there's a, a quadriplegic. Um, it's just it's a body and a head sitting in a wheelchair being rolled through the Capitol. <laughs> Those are the people that the left leaning media and the Democrat Party is trying to convince us we're going to overthrow the seat of democracy. It's it's fear porn. And at the same time, casting it aside as just, you know, trying to make us scared, it's not strong enough language. You know, if you listen to any sort of right-leaning independent media, you, you hear a lot of this question. You know, we, we just, we're just talking about how this administration is failing in so many different metrics. The question has to be asked, is it incompetence or is it uh, nefarious? Are they doing it on purpose? Is, is this all meant to just collapse the system? You know, so is, is, are they just dumb on one end of the spectrum or are they doing this on purpose to screw all of our lives up? Two ends of the spectrum, it's probably somewhere in the middle. But we see a lot of lies being peddled daily. And, and what, what I've noticed more than anything is that Biden is just, it's confirming what we all believe to be true before he even won the election. 
He's just an empty suit. He's the voice. He's the old, frail man that nobody wants to attack. Um, but he, I will, <laughs> I will give the incompetence excuse to him. I don't believe the dude knows what he's doing. I believe that he's being told, listen, we need, we need people to get vaccinated because people are dying left and right. I believe that as much as we're being lied to by Biden, I believe he's being lied to by the people who are pulling the strings. They're convincing him, listen, you're doing the right thing. You're doing the noble thing. You're being a good president. You're going to have a legacy of somebody who's trying to bring us all together. And it's these, it's these crazy right-wing MAGA Trump-supporting stop-the-steal loons that are burning the country town and, and trying to destroy democracy and, and seize power. And I believe that that's what he's being told. So he believes he's doing the right thing. He's also too frail mentally uh, to, to connect more than a couple of dots to realize he's being lied to. But bottom line, I believe this entire narrative from COVID, January 6th, all of this stuff, it's all being used to secure the 2022 midterms to make sure that the Democrats keep their very, very narrow majority. I don't think they have any hopes of increasing um, I think that the Republicans have the, the absolute shot of increasing seats in, in Congress in 2022. And then 2024, the presidential election, is Trump going to run? We don't know. That's three years from now. A lot can happen. Um, is DeSantis going to run? You know, we don't know. And I'm back. More leaf blowers. Sorry about that. Um, so we don't know who's going to run 2024. They've hinted at Biden running again. It's not going to happen. The the dude, I don't think the COVID excuse is going to last three years from now. You know, Biden won the election. I firmly believe, assuming the election was fair and everything, let's just go off of that because that's how we're going to have to move forward with the fact that he became president. So, okay, that's what happened. I don't believe he would have won the election had we had the other two debates instead of solo town halls where Donald Trump was um, given really tough questions, like like fair questions, I believe, type of questions the president of the United States, the leader of the free world, should be able to handle and, and, and answer. And I think he did a good job of that. But Joe Biden gave the COVID excuse, couldn't do the, the debates. So he did the town hall with, I think it was Anderson Cooper at the time, and he was treated with freaking kid gloves. I don't believe the election would have turned out the way it had if not for the COVID excuse. I don't believe the COVID, COVID excuse, and I've been wrong about pretty much everything, so <laughs> take it for what it's worth, but I don't believe the COVID excuse is going to hold up in 2024. Just my personal personal opinion. If it does hold up, then we're screwed as a nation anyways, and there's, there's no way we deserve to exist if we allow that excuse to hold up four years later. But um, I don't believe... Biden had it then, and I don't believe he'll have it three years from now, um, as far as the mental capability, the men mental stamina to go through an hour-long-plus debate back and forth with Donald Trump, who, like him, like him, love him, hate him, whatever, everybody around him knows that that dude is up very late, taking phone calls, doing meetings, um, attending meetings and briefings, and then he's up very, very early doing the same. And, of course, he's up first thing sitting on the toilet tweeting and pissing people off. <laughs> you know, people didn't like that. But the dude is nonstop. And and I, I've heard through from many different avenues, whatever you want to call it, that he lives a very healthy lifestyle as far as, you know, he doesn't drink. He he, he does things to increase his energy, to increase his, his stamina and things like that, um, his energy levels. He's not the type to be out there partying and and getting drunk and, and shooting his liver out um, or anything like that. So he's got the energy and he's got the stamina. He can hold himself during um, a debate. Joe Biden could not. I, I, I really believe that come 2024, either Kamala is going to try, try to jump in there. It's her time. I think she'll pull a Hillary and say, no, it's my turn. Um, you know, I jumped through the hoops. I took a back seat to Joe Biden in 2020 uh, she believes, I, I believe, uh, that she could have beaten um, Donald Trump. She thinks that she could have beaten Donald Trump. You know, uh, all these people are just so power hungry. They're they're standing in, lighting, in line 
uh, Tom Sawyer waiting for their little handout. It, it, it's like it hasn't dawned on them that we got a country in decline and that lives depend on America being a strong, prosperous um, light in a very, very dark world. Um, so that's my soapbox, and uh, I'm getting off of it now. Um, but, but before I get to my closing message, I hope that you see definitively that COVID-19 is a political um, bouncy house for the Democrats. COVID cases increasing, political win for Democrats. COVID deaths increasing, victory for Democrats. That's a sad reality, and, it, and it's a reality that they're not doing anything to distance themselves from. And that's that's the really, the, the part that just kind of makes me sick to my stomach, that the, this Democrat leadership and this Democrat administration is okay standing on the bodies of dead people who've died of COVID using that as, oh, well, that's because of Republicans. That's not because of any failed policy from the Biden administration. No, that's because of Republicans. That's not because Governor Cuomo forced COVID positive um, elderly back into nursing homes where they were in the mix with other healthy nursing home patients and thousands of nursing home patients passed away because of it. No, that, that's not, they're not responsible for those deaths. It's Republicans who won't mask up. It's Republicans who won't say you're a piece of crap if you don't get vaccinated. It's Republicans who won't lock down their schools, lock down their states, close their businesses. Not only close their businesses to everybody, but close their businesses to people based off their vaccination status. That's what they're blaming this pandemic on. I'm not saying come 2024 to vote Republican. I'm not saying to vote for Trump. I'm not saying to vote for DeSantis or whoever decides to put their hat in the ring. I'm saying, and that's the whole point of this podcast, I'm saying that if you're going to have a political opinion, do your homework. Watch full videos. And don't be a useful idiot for either party. This battle isn't against Democrats or against Republicans. It's not for Democrats or for Republicans. It's not against liberalism or for liberalism. It's not against or for conservatism. It's America. It's for America. And that's why Donald Trump's message resonated so well. It's America first. Finally, somebody who's putting America first. Get us out of these wars, blah, blah, blah. So again, I'm not saying to vote in any certain way. I'm saying know enough to defend your vote. And knowing enough isn't just watching CNN every day. Knowing enough isn't just scrolling through Twitter. Knowing enough isn't watching Fox or subscribing to the Daily Wire. That's not knowing enough. Knowing enough is seeing a story on the Daily Wire and realizing, okay, there's obviously a very right-leaning slant to this story. I'm going to go find the left-leaning equivalent, HuffPo, New York Times, Washington Post. What are they saying? And then weigh the two against logic, reason, and principle. And that's what it seems so many people are not willing or able to do. So part of that, as you know, today being uh, our January 6th one-year anniversary episode, I'm going to put in the show notes a link to the entire Donald Trump speech at the Stop the Steal rally that happened, I think it was like an hour before the, the Capitol was being stormed by however many people. Um, and I hope that you'll go down the YouTube rabbit trail there. Uh, you can read the transcript. It'd be better if you can watch it. It was an over an hour long speech. Um, or the video's over an hour long. I'm sure there's 20 minutes of freaking YMCA. And uh, I'm proud to be an American right before Donald Trump starts speaking. So you can fast forward through all that bull crap. Why are we still playing the YMCA song at political rallies? I don't get it. Why is Donald Trump still dancing to freaking I'm proud to be an American? Um, if you want to ruin that song for yourself, there's a Canadian version just like it. So, um, yeah, put put that damper on your weekend. Um, but, yeah, read the transcript, watch the whole speech, and then even try and find the videos that are out there if I can find one 
real quick. I'll link to it in the show notes. But when they were trying to impeach Donald Trump over the insurrection and kick him out of office early, um, they they edited his speech, the video of his speech, and they copy and paste it all over the place to make it sound like he's, you know, it's like, I want you to go to the Capitol and storm the Capitol. It's not that bad, obviously, but there are sections where he's saying, like, fight like hell. They love to play that part. Fight like hell. We're going to go down Pennsylvania Avenue and uh, and and hold these people accountable or something. And, and they piece together enough bits of audio where it sounds like Donald Trump is saying to go storm the Capitol. And, but if you listen to those exact same sections in their proper place within the speech, it's an appeal over and over to be peaceful, to be calm, to make their case, to make their voices heard, but never to be violent. He said over and over, we are, we are the, the, the party of law and order. We respect our police. We respect our institutions. We're, we're the people who are not wanting to tear down statues, not desecrate federal buildings. We, we believe in our traditions and in our values and in our principles as a country. And yet somehow they were able to manufacture video clips that made it seem like Donald Trump was egging the rioters on. It's an amazing thing in today's world of technology and social media. We're all going off of headlines and videos and things that can all be... I mean, we've all seen the, the deep fake videos of it of uh, Tom Cruise, or it's somebody who's not Tom Cruise, but it looks, sounds, the facial expressions, it all looks like Tom Cruise. Um, we're entering this age of technology where we're not going to be able to believe our eyes. And that's when it's going to be very important to have a level of understanding of political m- movements, you know, almost like a chess game. You know, when when the administ- Biden administration comes out with a certain opinion like they start pushing forward just a little idea think about this i'm just asking questions you can bet that what that is is it's it's a pawn it's a little pawn move but what it's setting up is for a rook to take the queen it's setting up a bigger move and they're just gauging the public's acceptance or rejection of it and so the more you get into the current events, the more you get into the stories and the more you read, and it, it doesn't take much time, but when you see a headline, read the article a little bit, read the first few paragraphs, scroll down to the last paragraphs, because that's where they hide all the real, <laughs> real crap is in the, the very end, especially if you're reading a HuffPo or uh, MSNBC or CNN or whatever. Um, there's a lot in those last paragraphs. So all I'm saying is be, give yourself the, the, the benefit give yourself more credit you are smarter than just reading a headline and sharing a meme but they're counting on you being too lazy to be any more curious than that and it's going to get to a point where you need to have this background knowledge of what happened in 2020 what happened in 2016 who was saying what and who did what to weigh against their actions in 2022 weigh against their words in 2022 and 2024 what are they saying in 24 what were they saying and doing in 16 and in 20 it's very important beyond that um before i leave you on the most cheerful of notes um i want to say that politically we are entering a time where both sides both extremes want you to be angry at each other be it somebody you don't know, be it a friend, be a family member. You need to be angry at each other, afraid of each other. And they really want you dissociated from emotion or empathy or compassion in the name of accomplishing some political goal. If you don't agree 100% with their agenda, whether it's to save the world from climate change or some sort of discrimination or systemic racism, if you don't agree with their with what they say is wrong, and then their their agenda to fix it, then hurting you or silencing you is a moral thing to do. I mean, think about it. If you really believe that me driving a truck is destroying the environment, destroying the ozone, and is leading to global warming, and we're all going to die in seven years, if you actually believe that, why would you not come 
and shoot me in the head or at least slash my tires so I can't drive the truck. Why wouldn't you? It's morally acceptable if you actually believe those things. So I encourage you to fight back against that mentality. You don't need to fight against Democrats. Don't need to fight against Republicans. What you should fight against is the lack of empathy they want you to have. The lack of caring for each other they want you to have. And the lack of focus on freedom. Freedom is one of the scarcest commodities in our world now. So many people are not free to feel or think or believe or say what it is they feel on the inside. If you want to fight for something, fight for the rights, freedoms, and opportunities for others. Take it away from yourself. It's bigger than you. Take it outside of yourself. There's no voice that you should fight harder to protect than the voice that you disagree with. Fight for the voice that offends you. You can take that back to to a biblical standpoint. You know, it's easy to get along with people that you disagree with or that you agree with. It's harder to love somebody that you don't like. It's harder to love your enemy. It's easy to say that I should have the right to say X. It's much harder to say he or she should have the right to say that thing that I oppose Something that offends me to the core of my being. But they have the right to say it, so I will fight for their right to say it. And that's that's kind of where I'll leave you. Um, Like I said before, I'm working to make these episodes a little bit more uplifting. Again, that's what the Monday morning message is really more for. Politically, it's easy for me to go down a a darker thought train. Politics really presently, it takes me to that darker place. Um, I see dark days ahead. I see tough times ahead economically, Um, especially if we don't hear and accept some of these hard truths, these things that are going to take us back to principles and and pull our heads out of the sand, really. So if my message seems a little bit negative, DM me on Instagram at Friday underscore underscore detox at Friday underscore detox. Or email me, info at crossandmusket.com. Send me some positive notes, some things to look at. Like, hey, you're really negative here, but here's a positive take on it. I would love that. Um, Or better yet, come on the show yourself. Like I said before, I can get you on Skype. I can get you on Zoom or whatever. We'll record a podcast. Um, You can listen to it first before I I put it out. And uh, and beyond that, of course, I, I, I love the reviews. Review us on Apple, review us on Google, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, Spotify. Review, review, review. That's going to help us get the word out. That's going to help the algorithms know that you're listening, that you're liking it. Um, at least four stars worth. Um, <laughs> and uh, it'll help us just get discovered a little bit easier. So that's all I got for you. Do with that what you will. Be kind, be humble, be honest, uh, be genuine, be trustworthy. If you say that you're going to do something, do it. And now I'm telling you that I will post this episode and uh, enjoy the rest of my Friday. So that's what I'm going to do. Get some more work done. I got a haircut later. I'm looking forward to that. And find those little things that, that you enjoy. And give yourself the benefit of the doubt to um, take the time to enjoy those things. And then when, it, when you're done, uh, get back to work. Keep setting yourself up for success, your family for success. Keep doing the things that make you happy. Those people who tell you, no, you need to go and do this, this, and this, because if you don't do that, then you're never going to be happy or successful in this life. Tell them to pound sand and uh, go do what it is that you feel called and led to do. And in in all things, give thanks to God. When, When you have a success point, when you reach a point where you didn't think that you'd be, that something would work out well. But when it does, take the, take that time. Um, I've never appreciated good times in life more than when, when I experience them and I point them back to God. And I, and I sit there and I have that little conversation with God. Dude, this, this wouldn't have happened if it weren't for you. My ability was not enough to make this happen. You had to have made this happen. Thank you. And it really helps you put the, the, the perspective back on eternal things. Not something as small 
although it seems huge. Um, but there are bigger things than paying the bills this month. There are things that are life and death for thousands of people, um, like the success of a nation. <laughs> uh, so, anyways, I'm going to jump off my soapbox now, but give thanks in all things, give thanks. And uh, I will see y'all hopefully on Monday for another Monday morning message. I will be a little bit more positive and encouraging on Monday. Um, but shake off the crap the week through at you. Have a good weekend. See some family. Get out in the nature. If you're in Texas, don't freeze your butt off. Drip your pipes. Um, spay and neuter your cats or whatever. I don't know. I'll see you all on Monday.